Well, this past week, I returned from Africa where I had the privilege of being the last couple weeks, and it was an incredible time there. Many of you know that God has given us a small airplane to be able to carry church leaders around as they go to other tribes and be able to pour into uh, those in those tribes who know Jesus and those who don't. And South Sudan is home to a large number of tribes that are considered unreached in the sense that uh, there are very few who know Jesus or perhaps none who know Jesus at all. And it's an incredible privilege and honor to, uh, to be able to carry these church leaders from, from among our tribe to go to these other tribes. And as we were going out this time, there were the, the questions from under the mango tree of, Peter, what's, what, this, what is this going to look like when we get there? What, what questions uh, do we ask? How do we assess an area where we may go as, as missionaries? What does it look like for us to be able to, to share the good news with other people? And it was just pure joy to see all that God is doing there as he's raising up his army of, of men and women who love him and are eager to share the greatest news of all time. Well, we had an inspirational leader with us because as we were deciding how to, how to allocate the six seats in the plane, me as the pilot and then five other seats, who was going to fill those seats uh, from among the people uh, who were going through the discipleship training, they decided to, to leave one seat for a guy named John Tanamamuro. Now, this was a huge, huge honor for me uh, just to be in his presence because in 1960, he was the first follower of Jesus ever among his people. He had gone to another tribe where they had a hospital and he was healed of leprosy that he was dealing with. And while he was there, he heard about Jesus. God touched his heart. He began to follow Jesus and, and became the first believer, the first follower of Christ. So he came back among our people, the Jewer people, whom were among there, and he became the first believer. started sharing the gospel. There was tremendous persecution in the years that followed. But you fast forward 61 years, and now there are churches everywhere. God's done a radical work. You're constantly hearing stories of miracles and idols being burned and witch doctors who are coming to faith in Jesus. And, and now that it's time to send these missionaries out to other tribes, he's coming with us. The first missionary coming with us as we're carrying all these other missionaries out. Just an unreal moment. I can't even imagine what that's like for him to witness all God has done among his people in the past 61 years. Well, we went to a couple different places, and the last place that we went to is Meridi, South Sudan, and we landed there, we met with the church leaders, we visited the town, we ate the local food, we learned about the tribes and the cultures that were present there, and then we heard about Prayer Mountain, and Prayer Mountain supposedly was this mountain that had a cross on the top and they wanted to, to give us a glimpse of it. So they took us out towards Prayer Mountain and John Tanamamura was, was sort of seeing it, but was trouble, having trouble seeing it clearly. And, and they wanted to honor the elder, the first missionary. And so they decided to take us all the way up the mountain. We got up there and, and there's this big cross. I'd guess it's maybe 10 or 12 feet high and and we sort of marveled at it and, and at what they were telling us of people coming from all around to gather around the cross and pray. Sometimes all night prayer sessions that they're having every month around this cross in, in South Sudan. No wonder God is moving in that country. Well, it came time to pray. And so we gathered around there. And I already have tears just telling you this story because it was so profound. They asked John Tanamamuru to pray first. 
And it was not lost on me that here was this first believer ever among his tribe. If anyone loves Jesus, this man loves Jesus. Those who are willing to suffer persecution. Those who are willing to be the one and only believer. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe among your family. Uh, maybe among your neighbors. Maybe among your friends. You're my heroes. Just as John Tanamamuru is. And those who are willing to love Jesus when no one else does, they tend to love him in a different way. It's deeper, it's richer, it's more fervent, and that's how it is for John Tanamamuru. When he worships, if he were here at Hope Tonight, he would not care about what any of us thought of him. He would worship with a freedom and a power that would set him apart. You would look at him and you'd say, there's something about this guy's life. There's something about how he loves Jesus. You can tell just by the way he worships. And you can tell just by the way he prays. He began to pray. And as he was praying, we were gathered around that cross on Prayer Mountain. I began to have tears. And as we got minutes into the prayer, all of a sudden I heard this sound. And I wondered why I was hearing something in the middle of the prayer. And I opened my eyes and he had fallen on the cross and John Tanner Mamuru, this first believer ever among his people, was just hugging the cross of Christ and just praying with a passion. And I lost it. I totally lost it. Here's a man who gets the reality of the gospel. How precious a thing it is of what Jesus has done for us. A Savior who would come from heaven to this earth, who would die on that cross bloody, beaten, stripped of clothes and everything that he had. He died this horrific death so that he could save us from our sin. So that he could rise again on the third day, so that he could be victorious over death and Satan and sin. And so that if we believe in him and trust in him and follow him with our whole lives, we can also be with him in heaven. There is nothing like the cross of Christ. And here, John Tanamamuru was just hugging it and praying with such a fervor. He finished his prayer and I was still sobbing. I was still trying to gain my composure when I had a tap on my shoulder, which meant you're supposed to pray next. And I thought, oh no. And as I tried to gather myself, I began to pray. And through the prayer, I prayed and I wept and I prayed and I wept and I prayed and I wept. I think the older I get, the more I realize how broken I am. The more I realize how messed up I am. The more I realize the stuff that goes on deep inside of me. I resonate with Austin's testimony deeply because I think the closer I get to Jesus the more that sin sort of gets revealed in my own heart and life and the more that gets revealed the more I love Jesus and the more I love the cross and the more I love the gospel the good news of what he's done for us because I'm nothing without that we're nothing without that John Tanamamuru is nothing without that it is the cross of Christ that is the staple of who we are it is our only Hope. And that's what's so powerful about this story that we're reading tonight in Matthew chapter 9. If you're there with me, let's walk through this verse by verse together as we see what God has for us tonight. Verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel. 
The gospel of the kingdom, that's the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of Satan and there's a kingdom of God. So he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus considered the gospel important enough that he should go throughout all the villages in the area. Look at that, verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching and proclaiming the gospel wherever he went. The gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. And we often break the gospel down into four parts. God, man, Christ, response. God is what happened in the beginning. He's perfect. He created all things perfectly. He created humanity. And then you come to the man part. That's man and woman. How they sinned and rebelled against God. How there's a separation between us and God. He's perfect. We're not. He's holy. We're not. He's righteous. We're not. We are not worthy of being in his presence because of that sin. And the Bible tells us, but we know this is true, that all of us are sinners. All of us have rebelled against God. We are desperately in need of God, man, Christ. We're in need of Christ, the Son of God, who was sent to earth and lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and created a way for us to be with God. Because he took the punishment that I deserve, that that you deserve, and created this avenue for us to be together with the righteous and holy God Because we had a righteous and holy sacrifice in Jesus. So what's the response? The response is, if we are to follow him, we do it through faith. We believe in who Jesus is. We do it through surrender. We surrender our lives, everything in our lives to him. And then we are saved. Saved from our sin. Saved from death. Saved from an eternity removed from God. We're saved into the kingdom of God. We're saved into his presence. We're saved to an eternity together with him. That's what the gospel is. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And it was so important that Jesus was going throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, Jesus was to be the fulfillment of that gospel of the kingdom. He was to die on the cross, which had not yet happened at this moment. But he was framing what that gospel was going to be about as he was healing every disease and every affliction. We talked a few weeks ago about how important it is to have both the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom. All too often you find people who are preaching and and teaching but not really experiencing the power of God. And then you find in other circles those who are always pursuing the power of God, the miracles of God, but, but they're not really preaching and teaching the scriptures in depth. But if you and I are to be an authentic reflection of biblical Christianity, then, then both have to take place. They are the two legs of a stool. You have to have both the proclamation and the, and the demonstration of the kingdom. You can't only have one if you're to really reflect what the scriptures are all about. And if I could be really straightforward with you, Hope Church, I think one of the things I worry about the most is that if we are not intentional about reflecting both will have a rubber band pull us back to where we came from. Those of us who grew up in contexts that were only about proclamation will inevitably revert to that if we're not intentional about both. Those of us who come from contexts that are all about the demonstration of the kingdom will be pulled back to that if we're not careful about both. You and I have got to be faithful in, in seeking to walk out the fullness of the kingdom of God. A Savior who reflected an example for us where he would preach and teach but also drive out demons and heal the sick. He would walk in the proclamation of the kingdom but also the demonstration of the kingdom. And and all too often we feel like, well, it's easy to preach and it's easy to 
to teach, but we don't know how to drive demons away, and we don't know how to, how to heal the sick. That stuff scares us. We're uncomfortable. We don't know what that looks like. Then I hope within our Hope family, we've provided a network, a framework, and an open road, an invitation for us to be able to walk through that together, to look at the scriptures and say, what does it mean to pray for those who are sick? What should we do if we deal with, with those who are suffering from spiritual attack? What does it look like for us to really walk down this road? And I think all too often it comes down to this deep hunger to see God move. We've got to be discontent enough with where we are to be hungry enough to get where we need to go. If you're not frustrated with where you are, you'll never feel the hunger enough to get where you need to go. And I don't know where you are. Maybe you're walking in a really healthy way, holding the tension between the two well. Or maybe this is something God's calling you to. And you can look at the scriptures tonight. You can look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and, and ask that question of, where's my life? If Jesus is going throughout all the cities and villages, am I doing the same? And I, am I hungry, eager to carry this gospel wherever I go? You know, teaching, proclaiming the gospel, and healing every disease and every affliction. I hope that your life and my life can be known as a life of teaching and a life of healing healing. And so often that comes down to us just asking God to do it through us. Just this week I was with some dear friends. We were talking together about what it looks like for the power of God to be evident in our lives. And I, of all people, feel so inadequate when it comes to seeing God move in miraculous ways. But I'm so inspired by others who will walk so faithfully down that road. And one of the things that has, has gripped me for years now is that we've got to get away from this drive-through version of the miraculous. Where we simply desire to, to pray a two-minute prayer and just see God do a miracle. He certainly can. He certainly does. But I love the story from South Sudan of these friends of ours who were out traveling and sharing the gospel. They came to another village. They came to the man who was lame. They began to pray for him. He hadn't walked in years and years. And they prayed and they prayed. And hours passed and they were still praying for him. And finally he began to feel something happen in his legs. And they kept praying for him. And finally they helped him stand up. And he slowly got up. And they began to help him walk. And he slowly began to walk. And they thought, as I would, well... Maybe by nighttime that miracle is going to go away. Maybe, maybe it's just temporary. But they kept walking with him. And by nighttime he was still walking. And the next morning he was still walking. And a week later he was still walking. God had done a powerful miracle after hours and hours of bathing this man in prayer. Oftentimes people ask me, Peter, why are there so many miracles that take place in Africa? You see it over there all the time. Why don't we see as much happen here and I think it's probably because we don't pray enough. It's probably because when you're desperate, as they were for their friend to stand up and walk, they prayed for hours and hours. And we, we would pray for a couple of minutes and say, well, you know, I know this really good specialist. And I think you should, you should go see them, get some x-rays done, figure out why you're lame. Hopefully there's surgery they can do in our operation and we'll keep praying for you. And certainly we should tap into the medicine and specialists and doctors that God gives us. But we have a great doctor. We have a great physician who works miracles as much today as he ever has. 
And if you and I are to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, preaching, teaching, driving out demons, and healing the sick, then we've got to believe that the God of today is the same God who is the God of the scriptures, and that if you and I will pray and call out to him, he will do what he will do. Those of you who were here years ago when we did our men's and women's retreats on, on healing, we spent so much time those weekends really praying and asking God to heal miraculously, and he did. We saw so many miracles that took place in the men's retreat. And then the women's retreat happened. We saw so many miracles that took place then. There were so many stories of God moving because we spent that time and we bathed one another in prayer. And Hope Family want to encourage us to live into the fullness of what God has for us. To call out to him in prayer and to allow him to do it by his power in our lives. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love the fact that it was the compassion of Jesus that was driving him to share the gospel. Sometimes we think, well... We should share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, just because this is what he's told us to do, and that's true, or, or just because this is what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Christ, and that's true. But Jesus' model for us here is that it's out of compassion and love and a, and a care for one another. Why do we want people to know God? Because there's nothing like knowing him. There's nothing like being swallowed up in his love and his mercy and his grace and his joy and his truth and his hope. There's nothing like it, and we are desperate to see our world walk in that. I don't know about you, but I have been enraged in recent days as the attacks against Asian Americans have continued to grow. I hope when you read the news, I hope when you see racism in our country that it enrages you. I hope you don't ever read a news article and you sort of gloss over it and just say, yeah, it's just the way it is. There should be something in us that feels the love of God, the heart of God. And I think the righteous anger of God at ways that we have seen racism played out against various ethnic groups last year, this year. It enrages me. So many are maybe feeling helpless, harassed. Others are feeling it in other ways, COVID and what's happened with family members that have passed and jobs that have been lost because of economic impact in their lives and suffering that they've been through. Some even now who are in the hospital fighting for their lives, maybe deeply in need of a shepherd. Those who have been disillusioned by the political scene in our country and so much that has taken place in, in recent months, Watching things play out in presidential debates that maybe you never thought you would even see in our country. Others who are dealing with things economically. A report I read the other day about the, the economic state of Americans and what's happened since COVID has taken place. How some have gotten wealthier, but so many have become poorer. So many of us who are really hurting economically and not in a good spot. And it's worse than ever because of what has happened with COVID. Deeply in need of a shepherd. Maybe feeling harassed and helpless. Our country is. This is a time in 2021 where we have an incredible opportunity to reflect the love of God to our, to our country and to our world. 
to go out on the streets of Houston and, and have compassion on our city and on others who don't yet know the love of God and the hope of God and the, the truth of who he is. And to have the opportunity to wrap our arms around our city and our nation and, and point to Jesus and to, and to who he is. To be able to share the, the glorious truth of a gospel that, that frees us from a lack of hope and, and brings us to a kingdom of hope. There is nothing like the gospel of the kingdom. And if America ever needed it, we need it. We need it in 2021. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus did, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers or laborers into his harvest. I'm reading a book right now on Jonathan and Rosalind Goforth. If you've never read them before, incredible missionaries 100 years ago out of Canada. And our brother Paul Wyatt is amazing. He is constantly sending me these incredible book recommendations. And anytime he gives it to me, I tend to buy it and read it. And I am very indebted to him for multiple books on Jonathan and Rosalind Goforth. They were in China and experiencing this radical move of God. It was after the Boxer Rebellion. And as they were seeing the Spirit of God move from church to church, Jonathan Goforth was trying to to analyze the reasons behind it. Why were they seeing so many people turn to God at this time in history? And why was it taking place from location to location? And and it's really a fascinating read watching him go through all the reasons. But the first reason is probably the first reason that many of you might think, and that's prayer, an earnest prayer. And he points out that in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, you have those early followers of Jesus who are gathering together constantly for prayer. And they pray and pray until Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2. And these great works of God are taking place. And Jonathan Goforth says, if we want to experience Acts chapter 2, we got to live in Acts chapter 1. If we want to see these great, powerful moves of God happen like they did in Acts chapter 2, we first got to have the earnest prayer of Acts chapter 1. And I love how Jesus is living this out here. Then he said to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. All too often, our prayers aren't really described as earnest, are they? You've got the mealtime prayers. You've got the Lord's Prayer before the t-ball games. You've got the different types of prayers. Maybe we have, but... What about those earnest prayers? How often can your prayers and my prayers be described as earnest? And when they are, are they just earnest by ourselves or are we willing to have those earnest prayers with other people? Have your kids witnessed you in earnest prayer? Has your spouse seen you in earnest prayer? That person you're dating, have they witnessed you in earnest prayer? Your discipleship group, within your home group, have they witnessed that earnest prayer? I've become convicted at how often when I do pray earnestly, it's just by myself. And, 
and thinking, what would that look like for us as a Hope family to really cry out earnestly with one another? I love the way that our Hope family has so many women and men who are just crying out for God to move. And I think that's why so many of you have experienced such a move of God in your life. But what would that look like for us to increasingly cry out with these earnest prayers in our lives where we don't care about what other people think of us or, or what it looks like where we're willing to confess freely what we're walking in and just desperately plead for God to move. I know that's what John Tanamamuru is is bearing witness to. I know that's what I'm seeing in him. I know that's what my friends did when they went to that layman and prayed for him and he stood up and walked. I know that's the type of prayer that changes things. I don't know what you're hungry for tonight, but that's the type of prayer that will transform your life and mine and our church and our community and our city and our nation. And Jesus has given us something to pray for here. The harvest is plentiful. So many waiting to hear the good news, the gospel, but the, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. For so many years, we have prayed for that in South Sudan. Who's going to go reach these unreached peoples? And it's an incredible joy to see God raising up women and men who are eager to go. There are so many around the world who have yet to hear the greatest news of all time. There are so many in our city who have yet to hear the greatest news of all time. And I hope you can drive past parts of our city and just pray, God, we just bring your laborers to these parts of our city. Drive past the third ward and just pray for God to send his people there. Drive past Chinatown and pray for that. Drive past Cyprus and pray for God to send his people. Ask God to send his laborers into the harvest field all across our city and all across our world. And, and when you think of our covenant members who, who right now at this moment are serving God and other nations around the world, pray for them and pray that God will send his people there to be with them, to continue to share the gospel alongside of them. This is such an important prayer that we hardly ever pray. I mean, how often are are you and I gathering around our dinner tables and as we're praying for our food, we're praying, God, we just send out your laborers. Send out your workers into my neighborhood. Give me neighbors who love Jesus. That house that's for sale, will you bring someone into that house who loves you, who can reflect who you are? God, will you move in our city and think about other covenant members and where they are and and think of areas of town that desperately need God's laborers there. Can we pray for that? Can we ask God to raise up so many more in our church who are going to go internationally? Go serve. Go find those places of darkness around the world and go bring the light of Christ there. Can we just pray for one another that God will use us as his laborers and bring so many more laborers alongside of us? If this prayer mattered to Jesus, it should matter to us. And we don't pray it flippantly. We pray it earnestly because this is what we're hungry for. I've been reflecting in, in recent days as I've read this book on Jonathan and Rosalind Goforth. It's been this question of my own heart of, God, what does it look like for me to experience the fullness of all you have for me? What does it look like for Hope Church, for our church to experience the fullness of all that you have for us? And it seems to me that in the end of the day, it all comes back to aligning everything under God and what really matters to him. 
And we see in just these few verses what matters to Jesus. It matters that people hear the greatest news of all time. It matters that they experience God's love and power in their lives. It matters that we're praying and asking God to raise up so many more to, to come out and share that gospel. And it matters. It matters to him that we lead out with hearts of compassion. And I'm praying for that for all of us. Let me ask you to stand, our music team, and our prayer team to come. If you're a guest with us, this is a really special time in our service where we're going to have our prayer team up front. And we'd like to invite you just to come for prayer. It could be something physical. Jesus was going around and he was healing those who were dealing with physical affliction. And if you're in need of prayer tonight, we would love to pray for you. It could be something emotional or, or relational. It could be something spiritual. It could be that you've never followed Jesus before. You want to know what it's like to enter into a relationship with him. We'd love to pray for you. It could be that you're just hungry for more. You just want to come for prayer and ask God to move in your life and do more in you than ever before. Whatever you're experiencing tonight, whatever you're feeling, whatever God is stirring in you, whatever that looks like, please come. We would love to pray for the hungry tonight. God, we thank you for who you are and for how you meet us in power. We thank you that there is none like you. We thank you that your presence is with us right now. And Father, even as I'm praying, it's just this sense that you are touching some of us in really powerful and tangible ways. I think some of us you are dealing with, and I pray that you would give us the courage to be authentic. A real raw hunger before you. A willingness to do what it takes to, to walk in alignment with you. A desire to be like John Tanamamoto, where we don't care what others think. We don't care what it takes. We're just going to hug the cross of Christ tonight. And God, as we pray and as we sing and as many come forward for prayer, maybe some to confess, maybe some just to ask for prayer, some needing healing, some wanting to start a relationship with Jesus as you engage us tonight in power father we ask that you would touch us in a miraculous way even as jesus was walking around experiencing miracles we do miracles in here tonight we pray fervently desperately that you would touch us we earnestly beg of you that you would move in us right now we are hungry for you god we are disillusioned by the things of this world and the things that are not touched by our heavenly king we ask for your touch. We pray that you would move in us, that you would engage us and do your miraculous work in here right now. In Jesus' name we pray.